This program is brought to you by Rosie the Riveter Trust, the official nonprofit sponsor of Rosie the Riveter World War II Homefront National Historic Park, located in Richmond, California. Rosie the Riveter Trust supports the National Park's public education programs and the historic preservation of the World War II Homefront, including stories from real Rosies who inspire that we-can-do-it spirit that initiated the still ongoing transformation of the American workplace to one of inclusion, diversity, and equity. Support the Trust's mission of equality and empowerment and purchase official Rosie gear by visiting rosytheriveter.org forward slash shop. Enter the promo code THICKSKIN at checkout to receive a 10% discount. You're listening to Thick Skin, and I'm your host, Alicia Crawford. This is a podcast about women, transgender, and non-gender conforming people working in the skilled trades. Most of the people that I encounter, especially tradespeople, are super stoked to see me. They're like so excited that there's a woman. Like I've had people go, "Whoa, wait, you're 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 here? You're doing this? You're a woman? Like most women don't want to do this. This is so cool. Welcome." In today's episode, we'll talk with Carol, a killer tool and die specialist at Tesla. She's also a carpenter, an artist, a welder, a plumber, and she just continues to grow those skills. She's a fiercely curious woman. She's even won welding competitions, and she's about to become the first woman in California to earn a tool and die specialist certificate. You had a childhood that encouraged this kind of curiosity. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, So when I was young, my mom noticed that I was very curious. And I think the, uh, the thing that clued her into this was I had this beautiful pink bedspread that my, my aunt had given me and we did not have a lot of money growing up. Um, We were, we were comfortable, but we weren't, you know, rolling in dough. Yeah. So we were given this beautiful, expensive coverlet for my bed. It was, it had sheets, it had a blanket, it had everything. And I cut it open with scissors. Oh, and <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess the, one of the very first things I did was cut it open. And my mom could have gotten very angry and punished me and, and, you know, tried to stop the behavior. But instead, she sort of sat me down and said, hey, um, what gives, you know, basically. I told her I wanted to see what was inside. I wanted to see why it was fluffy, why it was warm. I wanted to understand what was happening inside the blanket that made it the way it was. And she she said, okay. And, and we looked at the fluffiness and we touched it and we, we saw it. And then she got the sewing kit. <laughs> and she was like, okay, now we're going to fix what you did. <laughs> My mom was a single parent, so she sort of didn't have a lot of time. But I think also it was sort of her philosophy in raising me. Why don't you figure out how to fix the problem and then come back and tell me what you came up with? She always sort of had that approach of, what do you think you should do instead of trying to do things for me? But, you know, it was probably uh, a combination of being busy and also wanting to develop those skills. It's very encouraging. Yeah. She used to buy, like, electronics from um, thrift stores and things. Here, this this is safe for you to take apart. (laughs) 
Carol talked about her hustle to keep the bills paid. She originally wanted to be an actor, but found there was more of a paycheck in being behind the scenes in theater, which then led to a gig doing all kinds of maintenance for repossessed real estate. Because I didn't have a full-time job, I was also working at several jobs at the same time doing a lot of hours. So I was a technical director at two different theater companies. I was also doing design for their shows as well as building them for them. Um, I also was a shop manager at the local community theater here in town. I started doing facilities. So I started doing, you know, plumbing, electrical stuff for them. I also had a, a son. And my concern at the time was that I didn't have health insurance. I was working all of these hours and I didn't have health insurance. So if anything happened, to me or to him, I would probably be financially ruined by it. Carol knew she wanted more, and she was determined to put her talent and skills to good use. I heard from a friend of mine about Tesla, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting. started looking into it, and I mentioned to another friend of mine about this company called Tesla and how I was thinking of applying to them. <laughs> this little company, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this little, this little tiny company that I just discovered. <laughs> And he said, oh, actually, I know somebody who works there. So he, he got me connected with that person. I ended up flying, and I, and I was hired to be a quality control person. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would physically take apart the cars after they had been put together to verify that they had been built properly. My mom actually, <laughs> my mom actually said it's the funniest thing in the world to me that you ended up there. Your entire childhood was a practice for this. <laughs> I'd gone from 18-hour days, seven days a week, you know, working those jobs all together to doing about 12-hour days, six days a week at Tesla and making about three times the amount of money that I had been making. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I had health insurance. What a relief. Yeah, it's very much a relief. I was so excited to be there. I can't even tell you how excited I was to be. It just felt like smooth sailing, like a breeze, you know. And then you saw an ad in the bathroom. Yeah. For some reason, yeah. ba bathrooms seem to come up a lot in a lot of the stories I hear, which is strange. <laughs> oh, no. You know, other examples are less fortunate and more colorful. Uh, but this sounds like a good bathroom story. Let's hear it. This is a great bathroom story. So they have a, they have a, a newsletter that they put out. It's called the Tesla Current, and it was in the restroom. Just they put it on the walls and also in the, the stalls, I guess, for reading material. <laughs> <laughs> I love it in this digital world. You're still sitting, <laughs> reading the printout on the back of the stall yeah. door like it's 1962. <laughs> exactly. So it had um, it had a, a posting saying thinking of Tool and Die. And then it had a little blurb about it. And uh, I started watching videos actually on YouTube. I like to research things. I'm very curious. So. I get into things like I, I sink my teeth into them and I'm like, I need to know everything about this right now. <laughs> so I, I started watching movies and I saw this guy and he had molten metal and he was pouring it into something. And I was like, dude, that's the thing I want to do. <laughs> it looked so cool. I still haven't gotten to pour any molten metal, but I have gotten to heat it up with a torch and bend it around. So that's pretty cool. Still waiting on the pouring of the metal, though. At 32, Carol's a next-gen woman in the skilled trades. So she's working in that post-Title VII era, which might make you think that she and her fellow millennials escaped the treachery of sexism and harassment and of being underpaid. Now she will get equal pay, but has she gotten equal treatment? 
I've been lucky to mostly have positive interactions because you run into different types of people. There will be people that will be super, super stoked to see a woman doing something that men normally do. And then you'll run into people who will, who will say, like, you know, you're only here because you're a woman, you're diversity hire, you don't deserve to be here, you're taking a man's job. I don't run into many of those, but yeah, I have run into a few. One of the very first jobs that I had, there was a, a gentleman there, well, maybe not a gentleman, but he was in a position of power over me. And he told me that his girlfriend was going out of town and that he would like it if I came over to his house while she was out of town. And I told him that I would rather not do that. Uh, I thought that that was the end of the conversation, you know. And uh, later on, I started all of a sudden getting written up. Uh, my hours were reduced. Um, I was like policies would change overnight when I wasn't there. And then I would come in the next day doing something that was supposed to be okay. And then the next day it wasn't, but they hadn't told me. So I would get written up. And then uh, they moved, they ended up moving me away from that location to a different location and reduced my pay. So I, I wish I had handled that situation better. I think if I had seen what was coming, like if I had known what was going on, I could have done something. But at the same time, I think that that was a, a pretty terrible job that I had at the time. So I think it was actually quite good that that happened, that I ended up, you know, leaving and, and doing something else in a place with people who actually wanted me there. I guess that's my best revenge on them <laughs> for having done that is going on and thriving somewhere else. I was very young at the time. I think I was in my, I was very definitely in my early 20s. So I was kind of young and dumb and optimistic about the world at the time. <laughs> and you don't always have, speaking of tools, the tools to accommodate yeah. and defend yourself against something like that. Well, now I can make my own tools. <laughs> I used to be very passive, so I would just kind of go with the flow and let people say what they wanted to. But now that I'm kind of older and brassier. Brassy? I love that. <laughs> a little bit brassy. <laughs> I'll sort of directly speak back to someone. Um, I've had somebody tell me I must feel fortunate to be where I am. And I told them, no, I felt qualified to be where I was. I've had people like sort of aggressively ask me where I've worked before, what my job history was in order to be somewhere or why I was somewhere. And I just sort of tell them, you know, 16 years carpentry experience. I've got welding experience. I've got years upon years of tool experience. You just sort of have to fill the person out. Carol, that's a lot of work. It is. We'll hear more from Carol right after this quick message. This podcast is brought to you by Ironworkers Local 378. They've been building America for over 100 years. Women and men who have experienced or an interest in welding, rebar, structural steel, or green technology are encouraged to join this proud and storied organization. Become a union ironworker and earn top wages and receive benefits that take care of you and your family, now and for the future. They're particularly interested in certified structural welders and experienced rebar installers. And of course, entry-level people are always welcomed. They have a women's-only pre-apprenticeship program. Contact them today if you're interested in being an ironworker. Check them out at ironworkers378.org or universityofiron.org. Don't waste any more time. 
Start a career in ironworking today. Mentors play a critical role for everyone who works in the skilled trades. Carol talks about her experience with her mentors. There's a guy named Ronnie. If, if you can imagine, like, Mr. Miyagi, like, the sort of wax-on, wax-off, like, um, method of teaching where you, you're like, why is this guy messing with me? And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, it was a lesson. He's like that. He'll say things to you just, like, kind of gently and kind of jokingly, you know, and he was also one of the people who said, you know, I'm, I'm very excited that you're here as a woman. It's, uh, it's nice to see you coming into the trade. Um, my welding instructor was actually like that, too. Like the first day I showed up to class, he said, I'm so excited when I see women here because we need more women in the trade. Carol and I talked about what sparks her fire for working in the trades. So I think in, in most of the things that I do, the fact that I'm changing something or designing something or making something is the most exciting. Like I'm accomplishing something there. Um, welding is kind of artistic. It, it is and it isn't. Like you can do certain motions and make like patterns in the weld and, and uh, you can put a weld here but not there. And why do you put a weld there and not there? It's creating things is what really excites me. Sometimes I get like a yearning to create or to paint or to just make something. And since I've come to Tool and Die, I haven't really experienced that because I'm so busy learning and creating and, and designing things. It's very cool. It's very fulfilling. I think I found my niche. <laughs> Carol is formally trained, and she has her own way of self-teaching that we'd all do well to learn from. So I, I went up to the first guy and I was like, hey, I want to use the mill to do a thing. Show me how to use the mill. So he did. And then I pulled someone else's side and I was like, hey, I want to drill this hole. How do I drill this hole on the mill? So I basically like that's that's what my job is now. Like I go up and I grab people like an old school gangster and I'm like, show me how to do this thing. <laughs> and they're happy to tell you, it sounds like. Yeah, they are. They're they're pretty cool. Like it's it's nice to be in a place where you can just go up to somebody and be like, hey, with your 30 years of experience, how do I do this? It's really cool. They're they're excited about telling the future generations how so that their trade trade doesn't die, you know. One of them told me it was Ronnie actually told me that he needed us to come and learn from him so that he could retire because it was his responsibility to pass it on. Tool and die. If you could just explain it for our listeners so they understand how it works and what it is you're doing. The type of tool and die that I do is not the only type of tool and die that there is. Tool and die is such a wide field, ridiculously wide. It would be hard to tell you in just a few words. But what I do is basically automotive tool and die. So if, you, if you've ever used an embossing press, like an embossing press for, for paper, um, tool and die is like that, only we have, you know, dies the size of uh, an entire car. So the entire side of a car is, is stamped in our facility. We have huge, huge, huge presses that do the stamping. But so basically, my type of tool and die, uh, we take care of the die that actually does the pressing. So if something gets into the die and gets pressed into the die, and then there's, there's a, a problem with the surface where it's not making the shape of the car correctly anymore, we would take care of that. Or if, if the metal's not trimming correctly, we would address that. If something gets smashed or something, we do that. We also do fabrication. So if, if they need something made out of metal, we'll make it out of metal. In my specific 
area in Tulandaya, I am the only woman. There are other females in the stamping facility. There's more since I've come, actually. So there used to be maybe like a handful. And now I see I see more female faces. I also, I know that I was the only woman who applied for this job the year that I applied. And I know that two women applied this year. So, you know, we're trying. <laughs> Many of the guests of Thick Skin have come to the trades by way of an unconventional pathway. The trades are rarely offered as a viable option to young women, trans, and non-gender conforming people. So I asked Carol what options were presented to her while she was young and in high school. College. That was a college. I don't think that that's the right approach either. I think that some people will thrive in college and other people won't. For a long time, like especially my generation, we were told, go to college, go to college, go to college. We were not told, go to the skilled trades. The, The skilled trades were not even mentioned. My parents didn't mention it. Nobody ever talked to me about the skilled trades. I sort of fell into it um, in the bathroom, more or less. (laughs) But I think if we had more knowledge about like going to a career day and telling kids at a school, you know, you should think about the skilled trades. Tesla actually pays for me to go to, to college right now. I'm also making money working at Tesla at the same time. So it's for me, it was a much better option than putting myself into debt and trying to work that off. Carol has some advice for those who might be curious about working in the skilled trades. Understand within yourself that you are you are meant to be there and you are a good candidate. They can hire you or not hire you. And no is an opportunity because the next yes is going to be awesome. No matter what someone tells you, this is what you want to do. And that's why you should do it. I want to thank Carol for sharing her story with Thick Skin, and we all want to extend a huge congratulations to her for achieving such an accomplishment for being the first woman in California to earn a tool and die specialist certificate. That's amazing. You can all check out some snapshots of Carol in her apprenticeship program class at Chabot College. You can find the photos in the usual social media spots. And a special thanks to the team at Chabot for allowing us to get our PPE on and take some photos. Follow us at Thick Skin Podcast. Hashtag Women Trades Podcast. That's women with an X. This show was produced by me, Alicia Crawford. Audio engineering support and original music by Eric Corson. And special thanks to Frances Maddy, my social media maven. And extra huge thank yous go out to all of the donors who make this show possible, especially the Crawford Family Trust. Thanks for listening to Thick Skin.